Hello everybody and welcome to the first edition of Days of Thunder, a WCW Thunder rewatch podcast and even just saying that is making me shudder, I don't know what I've gotten myself in for here. Uh, I'm Dave Ryan, one of your hosts for this program that will be joining you every couple of weeks to recap an episode of the legendary uh, B-show from World Championship Wrestling that is WCW Thunder and uh, joining me on the line is my co-host Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, this is going to be... Well, it won't be fun, will it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. So I suppose we'll kind of, uh, to, to kick things off, get into like kind of where we came about with the idea for this show and um, kind of our history with the company, I, I guess, is the way to go. Um, uh, we we kind of like we've talked about doing something like some sort of a like a grab space podcast for a while. Yeah. Um, we're kind of friends through the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this idea in the back of my head, and it wasn't specifically that. Oh, I I I have such reverence for WCW Thunder that I need to I need to archive all my thoughts about it. It was that I had this pun, Days of Thunder. <laughs> And I thought it was a pun that was too good not to act on. Yeah, I mean, you you told me this during a tag league weekend yeah. in uh, Oberhausen, and I just remember hearing Days of Thunder and going, right, okay, we have to use this. It just has to be done now, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I mean, the, the whole idea of the podcast is, well, the WCW rewatch has been done to death. The Nitro rewatch has been done to death, but Thunder, poor Thunder, gets neglected. Something awful. <laughs> and I will probably find out rightfully so in, in some respect. <laughs> I think we already did on the first episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the the kind of the, the conceit of what we're doing here, like you said, the WCW, the typical kind of let's watch all the old Nitros and all the old pay-per-views, that, that's kind of a little bit hackneyed. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of very entertaining recaps of WCW uh, Nitro out there. Um, I, I know you and I, have we've both read Death of WCW yeah, um, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Brian Alvarez, Artie Reynolds book. Uh, you have started, I can't remember the name of the author, but you have, have you finished, finished the Nitro I, I've, book? I've finished the Nitro book. Uh, a must read for any wrestling fan, mm-hmm. not even a WCW fan, just a wrestling fan. Yeah, uh, I, I've started on that, but I haven't like I haven't put a huge dent in it yet. My pile of shame in terms of books to read is is quite embarrassing at this point. I think it's a long book. But it is a long book. It surely is. Um, but the, the the idea we had for this was um, one of the things I always remember about Thunder was how if I had missed Nitro when it was on, Thunder made absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> Uh, toward, this was towards the end of the run we'll talk about kind of our, our familiarity with the programme when it was on in a sec but uh, I thought how how, like, how much better or worse is WCW both at its peak and I think we're coming in episode 1 of Thunder is happening right around the peak of WCW oh yeah definitely is yeah, yeah and, and how, mu- how much better or worse is Thunder then and the same goes for like as the precipitous decline happens from kind of like 1998, 1999 on to when it eventually dies in 2001 um, if we just watch Thunder and ignore everything else around it, how much more or less sense or more or less fun is WCW 
Um, so I think our format here is for now at least one episode of Thunder per show, mm-hmm. and we're get we'll then come and we'll we'll probably review the pay per views as they come, and we will have much less of an idea what's going to be on those pay per views because we've only been watching Thunder uh, in the build up to them. But anyway, that that aside, World Championship Wrestling, Lee. When when did you hop on? When was your first experience with the company? Uh, how how much thunder did you watch back in the day? Well, see, I have a weird past with WCW. I was a WCW fan back in 1992, 91, 92, back around then. Mm. I would have been around six or seven. And WCW used to be on on a Saturday afternoon on ITV with uh, Gordon Soli, I believe, I think was the commentator. Um, and get to see guys like Sting and Rick Rude, Dustin Rhodes, all the, everybody knows the 92 roster, I mean it was unbelievable. Um, even got to see a WCW world title change in uh, the point in 1993, I think it was, I think, actually I think it was Paddy's day, I can't remember the exact date of the show. Um, but then I kind of, not that I drifted away from wrestling, it was just, it, it wasn't shown on ITV anymore, I kind of forgot all about WCW. Um, obviously I was a WWF fan as well at the time. And then it was just like full board WWF through the awful 1995 96 era. Um, and it was sometime around 98 I realised that when the Cartoon Network ended on a Friday night, yeah, that this magical show called Nitro came on. <laughs> um, yeah. I think a lot of Irish and probably English um, kids, teenagers found out about this just through chance more than anything else that TNT mm. somehow uh, broadcast in the evening times after the Cartoon Network yeah uh, but Thunder Thunder itself I didn't actually see a ton of this This is the interesting part of the podcast for me because mm. I didn't actually see a lot of Thunder um, occasionally when we had the, uh, the the old dodgy satellite of the mid 90s we would pick up the uh, German channels and we would like, get to occasionally, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Tuesday, if during the, the evening time, if uh, I got near the TV, you could flick on, I think it was DSF and Thunder or a WCW pay-per-view would randomly be on. And that, w- mm. that was really the only time I saw Thunder as a kid. Huh. Um, so for me personally, uh, I started getting into wrestling in I, I, about 1996. Um, I, I'm from like my my hazy memories. I'm pretty sure that the first match I distinctly remember watching is the WrestleMania 12 main event, which is kind of in hindsight amazing that it didn't run me off because that's a like a especially in hindsight that's a bit of a tedious hour long match to get through. Um, and somewhere around kind of similar to yourself, or in 1998, I had that revelation about the Cartoon Network. But it was that what happened was. I had started watching wrestling in 96 with my cousins. By 98, people in school were talking about the wrestling. Um, I would have been eight, nearly nine years old around this time. And um, a friend of mine that lives, his his mother still lives around the corner from me, would say, um, he was like, oh, you, co- you want to come over and watch the wrestling? Um, yeah. Um, came over one night and... It, that was when I found out that the wrestling he had been watching and he had been talking about was different from the wrestling I had been talking about. It was Nitro. Okay. And it was all these kind of weird and wonderful new people that, 
like I, I most of them I'd never heard of. I had heard of like Hogan and Savage and things like that because my cousins were huge into wrestling in the early nineties. Apparently, when I was a toddler, I watched Macho Man's Wedding, uh, <laughs> but you know, distinctly no memory of this. Um, but so I knew some of the names, some of the others I didn't, and kind of at that age, you know, when you're like super into something, there's no upper limit to what you can consume. Oh, so yes. I was more than happy to have a couple of extra hours of nitro and then discover this other show that was on tnt because uh, uh, yeah it was just they just called it tnt didn't they when cartoon network ended it was just yeah it was just tnt yeah yeah and it was like one night nitro would be on the following night thunder would be on so i found myself watching like I, I was trying to, we were, I don't know who it was I was talking, I was trying to calculate like how much a week I was watching now uh, at that stage when I was a kid and like to to imagine myself watching that much like network TV wrestling now is insane because I would have been watching Raw, Smackdown, Nitro, Thunder, Livewire, Shotgun, Metal, you know, anything that was on I was, I, I was consuming uh, at the time. So like even though I watched a lot of Thunder... I'm unsure as to when exactly I started watching it. Mm. And I I know at some stage in late 2000, Cartoon Network stopped turning to TNT. So I missed the last few months of WCW. Um, and I remember, like, as a what, 11-year-old child, this was greatly upsetting to me. <laughs> Even though, like, I, I think even at that age, I knew that there was, like, loads of hokey, terrible shit going on. It's kind of when you're a kid, you, you put up your tolerance for that kind of stuff is a lot higher. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's the kind of contrast between the two is that you didn't see a lot of thunder, and I think I did. <laughs> uh, and there, there are definite things I remember, and it's going to be fun to kind of, like, as we're going through these episodes, go, oh, yeah, okay, right, I must have seen this. Um. Yeah, um, anyway. I mean, just um, going back to like what when I came to Nitro, like I, I think I saw a lot more Nitro because on a Friday evening, I mean, this has never happened now. Uh, myself and my friend would go to his house on a Friday evening. His parents would go to the pub, and we we would look <laughs> after his like br- younger brother who I think was like maybe four, three or four years younger than us, and yeah. we'd be like thirteen. Like so, this this will tell you we were left on our own in the house from like eight o'clock through till midnight or whatever. And it was just like flicking back and forward between Sky and um, TNT just to get Raw and Nitro. Mm. And that, that was how I became exposed to that more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, great memories on that. But Thunder, this, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something else. But like, I, I know, for, and, and we'll get into Thunder number one now. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The one thing I do remember uh, everyone says about Thunder is that it didn't start off as bad as people remember it being. And I think I think our, our debut episode here gives us the good and the bad of what we can expect. Because I think there are some things we can draw from this show that kind of like, okay, this is why WCW is so popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And you can already see, based on... I have a lot of problems with how the show was laid out and uh, different things like that. They're like, okay, this is why it was completely unsustainable. But um, anyway, shall we jump into it? Yeah, I mean, just just before we do, I mean, it definitely felt like an important show. This yeah. one did. And I think by episode two, which I've 
watch about half of so far it already felt less important <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it was definitely I, I was surprised that and it's probably because I'm so used to the WWE presentation now that they weren't like they would say that it was the debut of Thunder but I didn't feel beaten over the head with it uh, whereas other elements of this program I did feel beaten over the head with in particular the idea of promoting action replays from the pay-per-view yeah uh, which is a thing we'll we'll get into because substantial portions of the program are dedicated to that. Um, but anyway, this is Thunder number one, um, and the kind of the, I suppose the the big headlines that we have coming into Thunder that they're they're advertising to stick around and watch this three hour, by the way, three hour debut of this program uh, are a Kevin Nash versus Diamond Dallas Page U.S. title match uh the and the fallout from starcade which is just replays a go-go uh our commentary team here are uh tony shivani stagger lee marshall and bobby the brain heenan so at least there was that um obviously you know the there are no end of superlatives you can throw for uh bobby the brain heenan but I was always very fond of Tony Schiavone on commentary before he completely seemed to give up on life in WCW. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, 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 always, I always liked him, yeah. Um, I don't remember him, I don't remember his WWF run, I was obviously way too young, even then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, any time I heard him on WCW, when I was a kid, I had no problems with him, and even going back and watching stuff now, I thought, yeah, up until around, like, maybe late 99, he was... He was, like, he was the voice of WCW for me. Yeah. He he just, he landed that kind of, until, as I said, the enthusiasm completely deserted him. Um, he was great at making you feel like everything was the biggest deal. And I suppose maybe that's part of what burned him out by the end. The, the biggest night in the history of our sport. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like when every night is the biggest <laughs> night in the history of our sport, eventually, you know that that gravy train is going to come off the the rails. Um, but the, the, we started the program with, uh, I, I suppose, the best way you can put it is NWO family drama. Like immediately coming into, we've got this new show. It's WCW Thunder. It's going to be really exciting. Straight into the replays from Starcade. Just seven minutes of recaps to start the show. <laughs> seven minutes. That's now, longer than any match on the show. Yeah, longer than any <laughs> single match on this show. Now, one thing I will say about that, though, is that I think we're, by the end of this run, we're going to be saying they're not telling us anything about what's happening on the other shows. So I, I guess we have it too much the other way at this point. It's like this show is just rife with making sure you're caught up on the more important show. And, you know, that's good in some respects, because I want to know, but, you know what was happening on Nitro. What did happen at Starcade mm. if I didn't get the pay-per-view? But at the same time, yeah, seven minutes from at the start of the show before anything else happens is, is I think, more than a little excessive here. Like, it's, it was crazy. I mean, just total, like, at the end of the did this at Starcade, then this happened on Nitro, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then some guy in a suit called Nick Lambrose showed up, and somebody got suspended. <laughs> this, this dude <laughs> representing WCW management. So it's like we had, um, we got to see was it uh, was like Hogan, Conan, and Vincent, aka Virgil. They were like um, 
but they were getting out of separate limos. Yeah, the, 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 the NWO was split across two limos, giving each other the eye. Bischoff was whispering in Scott Hall's ear. Savage was being demented as Savage normally is. Yeah, and we, we we get told by Shivani that uh, or Brain, one or the other, that Nick Patrick, the referee, has been suspended, and there's kind of a tease as to you're going to see the footage, you're going to see the footage later on tonight, and you can decide for yourself. Um, and we had yeah, we had this this guy representing WCW management basically saying the hammer is being brought down. There's going to be suspensions and fines left, right, and center because you know. If you're a young person in the 90s and you want a reason to tune into a wrestling show, suspensions and fines are really... Oh, yeah. Ke- that, that's got you hooked. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we should say Patrick is suspended because of it, the phantom fast count from Starcades. Um, yeah. Which he's still talking about to this day. Oh, is he? I, I, I don't keep up with him. I Yeah. So I, I in the we'll, we'll get to it later, but he was interviewed last year on um, Dave Penzer's got a podcast now. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, sure. yeah, and he's he's still talking about what what he kind of trying to like uh, mea culpa that it wasn't my fault. But we'll, we'll get to okay. that anyway when we get to the footage. Uh, but yeah, Nick Patrick is suspended. We saw footage of Luger beating Savage, uh, Savage flipping out, decking Eric Bischoff. Um, Nash lays out Savage. It's just a complete malaise. There's just it, Eric Bischoff claiming there's no problem with the NWO, but is there a problem with the NWO? And you can already tell that like the they're having real problems with how just swollen and uninteresting the NWO has become and at this point. Do you know what? Do you know what I instantly thought when I was watching this? Bullet Club is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just realised that whole storyline was such a rehash. <laughs> yeah, like the whole thing. It's it, that's the you know not to get too deep into it, but the whole Bullet Club thing. Like, funny enough, in the way it sprung up and was very interesting, and in the way then that there was just entirely too many members yeah. and people lost track of everything, and then it all just kind of fell apart without a satisfying conclusion. Yeah, history has repeated itself uh, quite thoroughly there. Yeah. But uh, you know, let's not forget legendary Bullet Club members Jeff Jarrett and Scott Moore. <laughs> while we're at it, actually, the day we recorded this is the day before uh, Wrestle Kingdom, so yeah, the anniversary of Who that knows? is coming up. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they'll show up. <laughs> uh, um, when we get to the first match, yeah, finally. <laughs> so the, the the famous first match in the history of Thunder mm. is the Macho Man, who obviously has. The uh, obviously knew straight away. Actually, I should say, the, during the recaps, they were saying that Savage was not in the building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were just like, the, well, uh, Savage is due. Randy Savage is due to be in the first match, but he's not here yet." They must have repeated it at least four times. So when his music <laughs> started playing, I was like, "Oh, he's not coming out." Yeah, but then he shows up, and that was the thing. <laughs> And this is the thing that was like there's somewhere in the back of my brain from when I used to watch this that oh the tease that someone hadn't shown up yet isn't a stranger to WCW like this happens a lot where like someone hasn't shown up or they do the like you said they do the thing where they play the music and the person doesn't show up mm. and it's like I love it the very first match on the debut program and one person couldn't be bothered showing up or at least the tease was that one person couldn't be bothered showing up uh, but yeah, seven minutes of video package later, I guess that got Savage through traffic and into his gear. He, ar- uh, he arrived in the Hummer somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then out he comes to face uh, gentleman Chris Adams. Yeah, Jesus, I did not know who that was. 
yeah, I, I was like, is, is this is that gentleman Chris Adams? Like, because I wouldn't be typically like or terribly au fait with his work, mm. and yeah, it, it was him, all right. Um, and yeah, that's your your little pub trivia that the first ever match on WCW Thunder, Chris Adams versus Randy Savage, and. Again, what will be a characteristic feature of Thunder and WCW. Uh, match didn't go on very long. No. And the very first match in the history of Thunder ends with a run-in. Because of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so the match goes 2.31. I should say I pulled all the times of the matches from a cage match. Um, mm. Yeah, 2.31 and Chris Adams gets the win. Uh Luger runs in with a chair shot to Savage while the referee is for some reason looking out at the crowds. I I can't remember why. I didn't know why either. Um but yeah, Savage or Luger runs in, hits him with a chair and just rolls him back in and Adams gets the pin. <laughs> it made no sense. <laughs> yeah, start as you mean to go on, my friend. That's that's pretty much Like I I was thinking like is Adams getting a push on Thunder? Is is this the beginning of something? Not really. Like that's what I I I went to, and I know going forward, I need to train myself not to look up other things because we're trying to go as context free as possible. But like, if you look up Chris Adams' WCW run on Wikipedia, it's just like the trivia fact that he was in the first WCW Thunder match, that he was um he was around this time. I can't remember if it was just before or just after. They wanted to put him in a team with uh, Regal, mm-hmm. and uh, that fell apart because of personal disagreements between the two um, and then he kind of just stuck around for a couple of years as a job guy um, and I think he was released in 1999 and then died in 2001 I think okay. um, but yeah this won't be I, I wouldn't be um, holding my breath for a sterling Chris Adams run here in <laughs> in early thunder my friend sorry to burst that particular bubble Damn, I, I was really impressed with the two minutes I saw Uh, next we we don't go to another match we go to more recaps um, and it's it's Easy e and Hogan um, and you know what I kind of enjoy heel Hogan promos around this time Um, I, I, I some of his lines in this were fantastic like just real kind of you are such a dick and you actually do believe some of these things about yourself like you will never beat the man that made wrestling and uh i'm too rich i'm too big and i'm just too darned tanned <laughs> that was the one that broke <laughs> yeah and he just starts flexing and me mugging yeah. for the camera it was like i, I think um i just know like the the entrance on the network i'm assuming it was dubbed um, because yeah. all of a sudden the commentators were on a different soundtrack, uh, <laughs> which is you know the the joy of the WWE network. So uh, I'm thinking, mm. was he coming out to uh, Voodoo Child at that time, or was that later? Sorry, what was that? Was he coming out to? Uh, didn't he have Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Childs at our? Uh, not sure if it was around then. Yeah, I can't remember if it was around then or not. And yeah, th- like you said, thanks to the, the WWE network, we shall never know unless we can get, unless somebody's been hoarding thunder tapes for a decade and a half and wants to send them to it us. It could be on daily motion, but we won't. Oh fuck! I say that decade and a half. Actually, it's over twenty years since Thunder started now. Fucking hell! Yeah, twenty-one years. Oh, that's 20, It's actually twenty-one years. Uh, 
um, in five days' time. It was, oh. it was the 8th of January, 1998. Well, that's given me a day to post this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. But yeah, no, um, it was just totally unnecessary for Hogan and Bischoff to come out and to do a promo. I, I actually don't know what they were talking about. But this is this is where I started realising about with all the, the, the recaps and things earlier and stuff that this is a show that is building to in its semi main event an action replay. <laughs> yep. I, I, I don't know whether I'm mad about that or I'm just impressed. But I, I suppose there's part of me in the back of my head that's thinking, well, I suppose in the the era now where pay per views are so easy to come by on the network and things like that, that the idea that you get to see pay per view footage you didn't pay for a couple of days after the fact was probably pretty exciting uh, to some people. Even if it was rather counterproductive for business, that you're gonna we're gonna show you the finish of the main event of the pay per view. Hard luck chumps that paid money for it. And I mean, this wouldn't be something unfamiliar to WCW viewers later in the year when was wasn't it this year Halloween Havoc went off the year. Was it that 98? Yeah. Um, uh, and they, had to give, they had to give away the whole main event on Nitro the next yeah. time. <laughs> so, yeah, they, I mean, they must have really enjoyed giving away like 30% of Starcades on, <laughs> on the first Thunder. Like. Damn right. But they just kept that, that, they kept that train rolling through 98. Um, speaking of pub trivia facts, JJ Dillon comes out and reverses the result of the first match. <laughs> And Luger is pissed. <laughs> Lex Luger just wanders onto the set, well, the, the bottom of the ramp, the entrance ramp, and just starts screaming. Not at JJ Dillon, though. He starts screaming down the camera while occasionally looking back to JJ Dillon to make sure he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... What a, what a presence Lex Luger is. <laughs> I think he's going to be the one I get the most joy from throughout this whole podcast yeah should is should we drop our Lex Luger story oh god yes we should <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, Lee and I went to uh, World Tag League WXW World Tag League this year uh, with our friend Johnny and we were travelling so to get from Dusseldorf Airport out to Oberhausen you have to get a couple of connecting trains and um one thing I've experienced going to Dusseldorf is that people at the ticket machines for the train are extremely rude <laughs> because they are in a hurry to get there and they don't care that you don't speak German and don't understand where you're going. They need to get their ticket and get you need to get the fuck out of their way. So this guy comes up to me and I had had a kind of a scare maybe a year previously in Berlin where I, I thought that my, my girlfriend was either going to get abducted or at the very least robbed so I'm incredibly sketchy in these kind of situations and a guy comes up and he's just like I will get us a group ticket um, it'll be quicker are you going to uh, where are you going we said Oberhausen he goes I'm going to Oberhausen too I, I, I get the ticket you give me the money and I was already very wary about this <laughs> and kind of he wouldn't let me touch the machine or handle the money and he kind of just like almost snatched the money off us and I was like well this is it he's just going to take our money and he's going to run away so he took the ticket we went down and I kind of gave you two the eyes mm-hmm. and I was like we need to we need to watch out for this fucker. stay close and the yeah. Two, yeah yeah and the two E obviously not quite reading the signals I had I was kind of like 
I was kind of trying to suggest, I was like, oh, we'll kind of sit around him so he doesn't <laughs> run away. So I said, right, I'll go in front and I'll sit with him behind me. I do that. I sit on the train. He's sitting in the seat behind me. I turn around and here's Lee and Johnny, the other two, fucking across the aisle, nowhere near him. Just fucking looking at me, looking back at them. I'm like, right, okay, so I'm going to get my throat slit. And two of them aren't even ten, within ten feet of me to stop it from happening. Great. So we get, And I promise this is getting back to wrestling eventually. So... We get to the connecting train, and we're on the plat. We're, wait- we're waiting on the platform for the connecting train, and we have a- there's a weird moment with him, like because again we think you know at best he's going to rob us, at worst he's going to murder us, <laughs> and he- he- there's two moments at the platform. One where he goes, "Are you English?" and we said Irish, and he goes, "Aha, drink, drink, drink." <laughs> And shakes this little, you remember this, the little Fanta bottle yeah, he had yeah. that had like a, a liquid that definitely wasn't Fanta yeah, in it. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, what what time in the morning would you say this was? Oh god, our flight was like 6am, so it was like maximum 10. <laughs> this guy is drinking presumably like whiskey or scotch or something out of a Fanta bottle at a train station during commuting time in the morning in Germany. Um, so there's that moment and then he goes I'm going to go get a coffee and then he starts power walking away from us and I kind of eye the two of ye and I'm like let's follow fuck off come on let's go let's go, let's go. so I started like taking off after him and I must have looked like a fucking crazy person because I'm just I'm just trying to like do that thing where I'm walking quickly so that he doesn't get away from me but I'm trying to not make it look like I'm pursuing him because in case he wants to murder me I don't want to anger the murderer <laughs> And we should say, he wasn't exactly the most talkative person. No, he was kind of just sitting, looking at us, which unnerved me even more. (laughs) Um, And then we get on the connecting train, and we're all kind of bunched up together, and it's really weird, and it's really quiet. And eventually he asks us why we're in Germany, and we're kind of so nervous, we just blurt out, oh, we're here for the wrestling. And he's like, what? And it was at that point that Johnny realised that he doesn't understand wrestling, so he he used the two phrases that you would identify with wrestling in Germany, being Ringkampf and Catch. Catch is the one that he, he eventually recognised because as soon as he said, we're here for the Catch, he looks at us with a knowing glance and says, ah, Lex Luger. <laughs> it's still guilty. In the vast, vast galaxy of names you would think maybe Hollywood star Dwayne The Rock Johnson you might think Hulk Hogan Stone Cold Steve Austin these are the names that the average man on the street knows from the wrestling no Lex Luger is number one in terms of professional wrestlers of this man's head and then in fairness he did say Sting afterwards so it was clear that you know he was into a very particular period of WCW he might enjoy this podcast, actually. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there drinking his whiskey in the morning at a train station, going, "That's funny. I was going to murder them." <laughs> but you know, they're Lex Luger fans, and now I can't. <laughs> how, how how could I ever take a knife to somebody who enjoys the work of the Total Package? Oh god! Even if he had said like Alex Wright or or something like that, you know. But Lex yeah. Luger. <laughs> Lex Luger it just still to this day tickles me but anyway getting back to a far less interesting thing than our Lex Luger story um, we have our next our, our second match here the 
the unlikely, if I was to think what would be the second matter in this period of time, I never would have picked these two names out of my head. Louis Piccoli and Rick Martel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Louis Piccoli with a, a odd t-shirt saying he's the one that invented the Death Valley Driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the story is behind that. Is, is there a story? So... Um, so I did, again, we're we're trying to stay contacts free, so I didn't look it up, but I do know that there are people who would who would describe him as the like because Dreamer calls it the Spicoli driver, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, Dreamer does the the uh, well, Joey Styles calls it as the Spicoli mm-hmm. driver, so it must be a kind of one of those things that maybe he did invent the move, or at least he was the first person synonymous mm-hmm. with using the move, uh, and it just became his his shtick at a certain point. Um. But yeah, him and Rick Martel, and it was at this point. So there's a thing I do, um, Lee, and I don't, I don't think we've ever watched a taped wrestling show before. But it's something I definitely do watching tape wrestling shows, and sometimes I do it when I'm watching live wrestling shows. Is that I scan the crowd for people who catch my eye. Okay. And can I just say <laughs> that during the entrances for this match, there was like a. A guy who looked like the quintessential freshly divorced da with his two new girlfriends <laughs> in t-shirts that read W, C, and W. Okay. And they were having the time of their lives. Uh, you've never seen anyone as happy as these people were for an early card match on a WCW <laughs> show. I w- They're just... I would s- I- say they were obviously big Martell fans. <laughs> Oh yeah, obviously, and these are these are obviously homemade T-shirts, by the way. They come up a couple of times in this program. If people are watching along with this, keep an eye out for them. They are very hard to miss. There's a couple of good close-ups on them. Um, yeah, so Louis Pagoli and Rick the Model Martel, uh, two different-looking human beings. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, you could say that. One definitely knows where the bar is, and the other definitely knows where the gym is. So that's all I'll say. Um, mm. Martel, who had just returned on Nitro. I think it was Lee Marshall said that he'd returned on the previous Nitro. Uh, kind of coming back from being nowhere in wrestling, wasn't he? he yeah, he was kind of just in the wilderness from, from what I recall. The, the Canadian Wild, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, uh, wasn't, wasn't, isn't this the story that around this time himself and Don Callis were supposed to join the WWF as the supermodels? Oh, I, I have vague memories of this story, yeah. And then Martel obviously just got a better offer and just never told Callis and just went to WCW. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, another nothing match. But... Yeah, uh, Spicoli took a kind of awkward-looking spill to the outside at one point. Um, but that's about all. Um, I enjoyed that Martel won the match with the, the Boston Crab and it was being described as the Walls of Jericho or the Lion Tamer. Yeah. Which I enjoyed, but then they kind of like also, I think it was Brain buried him in the process of going. Oh no, Jericho's looks much, you yeah, know, that, much more painful. I was just gonna say that he's like, no, no, Jericho actually bends them over, like puts the knee in the back and makes it look a lot worse. Yeah, so I, I don't know if he was burying Martel for not applying the hold right, or if he was burying Spicoli for tapping out of a wimp ass lion tamer. Uh, I should say uh, Martel also had really cool jazz music. Or bl- kind of bluey, yes. kind of jazz music, which just was a total yeah, so uh, change. The, the kind of the, the kind of music you'd expect to hear in a lounge where the furniture is sticky for reasons <laughs> you don't know and don't care to find out. That's the perfect analogy. 
Yeah, <laughs> I think so. For the match and the music. Um, yeah. Oh, the following. Yeah, go on. Go on. No, go ahead. No, no, go on. Um, I, was gonna... I was just going to say, like the the flock were shown in the crowd. I don't think they were called the flock at the time yet. Right. No, they were kind of just, and they showed up a couple of times here uh, around this part of the show. Um, so this was during the like presumably the the kind of like introductory phase. You see, like <laughs> the one that always stands out in that crowd is is Perry Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like just Perry Saturn ass Perry Saturn sitting there, and must have been just like just before they came out, it's like just Jesus Christ, just wear this hooded jacket, will you, please? <laughs> Look a little bit less like Perry Saturn, please. Um, um, following on from that, we have more replays from Starcade, and another kind of WCW trope. This was a, this was a video package replay of a man not showing up, um, as uh, Kevin Nash no shows his match with the Giant. The supposition being that he's afraid to face the Giant, and uh, Giant kind of. Uh, cuts a promo saying that like he's going to be in wrestling for a long long time and little did we know how right he would be um, and that he can wait for, for Nash to show up Giant kind of lays out Hall goes to choke Salmon but then decides to be a bit cheeky and hits him with a jackknife it was actually it was you know if you ignore the context that Nash faked a heart attack and didn't show up to the biggest pay per view of the year it was actually a cool little segment yeah. I thought Giant came off well in it actually yeah, and like Hall is all over this show, and at this point has firmly entered like cartoon villain part of his career. Yeah. Like where he's just like everything he does is like got these kind of wily coyote, <laughs> <laughs> just exaggerated mannerisms about him. He does that the uh, the the giants mannerisms that uh, you, we've seen him. You see him do it loads of times. Like you've. You know what I'm talking about, the, the whole the hands and mimicking the, the choke slam and the, the yeah. goofy face. And it's just, it's like top notch skull. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he is just wonderful. <laughs> I love Skull, although arguably he looks better now than he did on this show in particular, where he's just there in, in his jeans and a kind of like loose fitting jumper looking smashed. <laughs> Which he probably was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next match we had a, a kind of like a, a real kind of breath of fresh air as we got a look into the uh, NWO Japan versus New Japan feud with Tenzan versus O'Hara with Sonny Ono because somebody had to have with Sonny Ono <laughs> of course yes um, it uh, uh, popped huge for uh, during O'Hara's entrance the just a quintessential uh uh, brain one-liner of this man is uh, for O'Hara. This man is so popular in Chicago they named an airport after him. <laughs> yeah, that that's the perfect brain line. Um, yeah, I mean, I pop big for the uh, the NWO B team music. The first of yeah. many times you will hear that music. <laughs> yeah, and no no other entr- like, entrance could tell you this match does not matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, again, another kind of, I was like, I, I kind of, when this match started, I was like, I sat up and I was like, oh, here we go. Um, again, wasn't much. This was very much like two Japanese wrestlers trying to have a a, a mid-card WCW style of match. Mm-hmm. Um, 
didn't go on very long. There was one point on commentary where one of the commentators attempted to begin comparing O'Hara to Ray Trailer, and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> but I, I see what they mean in that, like, he was kind of being, he was trying to start the crusade against the, yeah, the NWO well. Japan. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, because in no other way does this man remind me of, of Boss Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, oh, like, that familiar with the whole what was happening in New Japan at this time. Like, yeah. I know there was NWO Japan and they were taking over and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not familiar, like, who started kind of the fight back. I've heard the name, the Freedom Dogs, but I don't know the story behind them. And yeah, nor, nor I, I. I would still, to this day, be very kind of not a, a nominal follower of Japanese wrestling. Um, there's only so much time in the day. And you have to watch Thunder. <laughs> I've got Thunder to be watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the the other thing about this match that kind of uh, stuck out to me was that at this point Tenzan was only twenty six years old, which, oh boy, <laughs> did he ever not look twenty six? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of he, was like, he's one of those guys that just always looked old. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like uh, another guy who was around the same age uh, that I watched recently in, in ECW, Masato Tanaka, who just like always looked like a bit of a da. Yeah, I, I won't argue with that one. Although I do think he looked amazing when we saw him last month. So, oh yeah, that, that was one off the bucket list for sure. Uh, next segment, back to the recaps, and it was uh, a recap of the Flair Brett face off uh, from Starcade. And like, I don't know about you, but like the idea of Brett freshly out of WWF coming in and facing off with thirteen-time champ Ric Flair. I appreciated kind of like Flair was a bit up for this and like you know you can't really go far wrong with with Flair cutting a promo Mm -hmm. on somebody but I don't know I just expect a bit more from these two guys not necessarily Brett in terms of promo but very much the the version of Brett that is checked out of things appeared to be all over this program for me yeah not to get into the whole oh how I would have booked Brett thing but I mean Having him come in, do the referee thing, like we can get into that when it comes back up with Starcade recaps. Um, but like going into a feud with Flair, who was like the biggest babyface, not named Sting, on the roster, mm-hmm. it just made no sense. Yeah, it like it. I mean, I mean, if done right, it could have been cool as a kind of oh, he's coming in straight into a dream match scenario. Um, like yeah, it could have been like Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle from TNA. Yeah, like yeah, because they came in with the whole "you say you're the best, I'm the best," yeah. and that's what they're they're trying to do here. But instead, they're getting caught up in making Ric Flair try to make Brett say his catchphrase, <laughs> and I just think it's like it's really awkward, and it happens again in this show. Yeah. Um, but just kind of there's this thing you keep saying, and people want you to say it to my face, and like say it to my face. Um, whereas you know I kind of would just prefer that like he just comes in and say you say this I yeah. say this let's fight about it you know just something a bit simpler it's like Fl- Flair is like you're, you're saying you were good yesterday and some, something tomorrow <laughs> it's just hard to just stand in there it's just like it's all very awkward yeah yeah that for sure uh, next segment and I think this is a, this is one of those we're going to get a lot of this with Thunder where we feel like we've walked in mid-sentence on something uh, and that's Chris Jericho one of my honest to god favourite wrestlers uh, of all time mm-hmm. 
um, coming out, and I don't remember the context for this whatsoever. Um, the commentators are kind of trying to get in and explain that he's this is kind of a repeat of something he did on Nitro, but they never really get the context exactly right. He, he basically apologizes for being a jerk, although he's not really apologizing. He gives Dave Penzer a jacket in the middle of all this. <laughs> It's, a, um, it's supposed to be like he, he's a new Jericho, you know. He's, he. Yeah. I think he had thrown. It was the start of the uh, thrown a tantrum, gimmick. Yeah, because at the end of this this match that's coming up, yeah. he, he throws a, a tantrum as well. Um, but yeah, I think like they, they don't really explain to you for, but for once on this program, they don't actually give you a proper recap of what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean Jericho is coming out and he has a match and it's against Ric Flair. Yeah, which if you t- again like this would be to me in my brain, I'm like that that would be the main event of my program if I was booking it. But you know, you got to think that this is late '97, Chris Jericho, not the Chris Jericho we we came to know and love yeah, that's uh, many years later. Um, but yeah, so so this match kind of again just happens. Um, it was good while it lasted. How long was it? It was 4 minutes and 44 seconds. Again, like so many of these. And one thing I guess I will say in defense of uh, WCW having many matches but very short matches is that because every 4 minutes or so the situation was changing radically. Like 4 minutes from now is a a segment. 4 minutes after that is a match. 4 minutes Mm -hmm. after that, that match has ended. We're on to another segment. Keep up, fucko. Um... (laughs) I feel like compared to if I tried to sit down and watch a three hour Raw like at least I felt the time was going by pretty quickly and I found myself like the show was going too quick for me to write notes at this point so like I'm at <laughs> I have here that the, the promo thing happened that the flock watched on and then I wrote Flair was and then I'm on to the next segment by the time <laughs> I've written that <laughs> yeah it's all very like it's all very rushed for a show that, like, like you say, it had three hours. It could they could have let things breathe, but instead it was just like go, go, go. Next thing, next thing, next thing. We need to keep people engaged. Yeah, which is funny when I think about like the Turner higher up. So Bischoff wanted this show earlier in '97 to start, mm-hmm. and at first they rebuffed his attempts to start a second show. Um, they thought that there wasn't enough talent on the roster to fill out this much programming, which is and which is crazy. Yeah, and the one concession they made then said, "All right, we'll let you, but we need you to go basically like go sign Bret Hart and make him the kind of marquee star of Thunder, and then we're on board with it." But like even at that at this stage, there I there are people I know on the roster, plenty of them that we didn't see anything from on this show, and this show still felt packed. Yeah. So where the Turner higher-ups were thinking that there wasn't nearly enough of a roster for this, I, I do not know. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just get, get into the match. I mean, again, it's yeah. four minutes. There's not a whole lot happening. Uh, to me, the highlight of the match is the commentator still a synchronized woo for Flair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when that's the highlight of the match, you know not much has happened. Um, yeah, yeah. I will say... At this point, I looked this up. Ric Flair is forty nine year old. Forty nine years old. Yeah. That that's it's quite something. Like this was a guy who, even a couple of years beforehand, people were saying he needed to hang it up that he was past it. 
uh, and who would have thought that like until only a few years ago he'd still be wrestling <laughs> it's just it's, it's amazing to me and we'll talk about when we get to it again later just a guy who's only re- wrestling maybe once or twice a year who's actually five years younger hmm <laughs> indeed <laughs> um, but yeah again Flair wins with the figure four it's it's notable in that it's only the, it's the first ever singles match between Flair and Jericho other than that, it's yeah. totally forgettable. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, we have the the incredible <laughs> matchup of Meng with Jimmy Hart versus the Giant. And this was a kind of. Do you know? I kind of for what this was, and again, it was very short. Giant won with a choke slam, but for what it was, I think this did a pretty decent job of like if this was your first WCW program, you know that Stan Lee idea that mm-hmm. so everyone's like every comic book is someone's first comic book. So one of the things I'll give a big tick to is that if this is my first ever WCW program, the giant looks like a killer. Yeah, that, because that, here you have big tough, tough some bitch Meng coming in throwing everything he can at the giant the giant just keeps coming and mm-hmm. choke slams him to death yeah I mean if you if this is the first time you watch WCW with, within two segments you think the giant is the coolest guy on the roster he, he yeah. kills Scott Hall and then he comes in Meng is like you say just throwing everything at him I don't think he phases him once and he just picks him up chokes down gone done yeah, that's that's all it needed to be, and I forgot like just like when he was younger and and like the you know the, the knees had uh, had more strength in them and like the, the the elevation he would get on those choke slams like it just oh god they just did look devastating and, and a cool visual is when uh, the giant you know goozles him as they'd say in WWF when he grabs him for the choke slam. Meng is just flailing. He's like a child flailing in his arms. And it yeah. just, it's a really, like to see a guy that big, just with, mm. he can't do anything. And to that point in the night as well, one of the biggest crowd reactions for him goozling Meng. Yeah. And, and Meng, not a small guy, and they, they got some elevation. Oh, yeah, he, he got him up, yeah. Uh, spectacular. Speaking of monsters, Steve Mongo <laughs> McMichael. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely segue. <laughs> uh, in the next match, this is the first time. Is this the? Yeah, this is like this is the longest streak of wrestling on the show. We went match to match to match here. Yeah. Uh, as Steve Mongo McMichael wrestles this guy, you may have heard of him, uh, Bill Goldberg, who is just getting going really at this point. Um, he hasn't quite reached his apex, so he hasn't been kind of like. They haven't tried to destroy him yet. He's still heel Goldie at this stage. Yeah, this is... He is literally... This is just at the point where he doesn't want to be called Bill Goldberg anymore. He just wants to be called Goldberg, as Shivani reminds us on commentary. Um, As as the the match starts, I notice Billy Kidman in the background (laughs) with a sign that says, Cats Fears Madden. I have no idea. I think that's an NFL commentators referencing just judging by that would, yeah that was my guess because uh, TV's best looking big man Mark Madden was a couple <laughs> of years away at this point um, um, can, can I just say Mongo on his entrance yeah he has like the, the shades on 
and he, yeah. he looks like a middle-aged divorce Neil. <laughs> That's a good shame. When Trinity is gone, and he just he's just lost. <laughs> there's there's something about people coming out in sunglasses on this show because I noticed later on in the night when Brett comes out. Brett comes out, puts on his sunglasses, but at some point the entrance ramp, I think he can't quite see. It's too dark, and he takes off his sunglasses again. Yeah. So that, that's the problems going on here, anyway. But yeah, so Billy Kidman is in the crowd, looking like he smells like pee, <laughs> and um, kind of just sitting there uh, with his sign, trying to get like sort of just into the corner of the camera, so you know he's there. Um. One thing I love, so I was a huge Goldberg fan growing up. Were, were you a fan of, of Billy Big Time? Again, I only saw bits. Um, obviously, I missed a lot of his run, but I was aware of who he was. Again, I wasn't like yeah. big on the internet at the time. Obviously, not knowing fully what it was, and but I was aware of who he was, so yeah. I was a bit of a fan. Mm. He is like I, I just like obviously you know with the benefit of hindsight and the more I understand how wrestling works I understand why his matches were so short Mm -hmm. and things like that but you know you think about it as a at this time seven eight year old child and I'm seeing this guy just fucking run through people and you know like sometimes it was a Hugh Morris sometimes it was a Mongo but like sometimes these were names of people that like I'd come to quite enjoy and I was like this isn't just a kind of guy that you tear through in two minutes um but Goldberg, like in these short matches, it was hard not to get behind him. It's, it's the classic thing in wrestling. You just have someone run through people, just go on a winning streak, and people are going to start getting behind them, getting interested in them. Obviously, the problem is the dismount. Then is like, how do you break that mm-hmm. streak? Uh, and so very rarely, as we will come to talk about on this program eventually, so very rarely uh, do people actually book the end of streaks very well. Anyway, um, I know I know we talked about the the choke slam that Giant did, but even something simple like the spear. I don't think there was anyone doing like in ma- mainstream US wrestling at the time. There was nobody doing like a big impactful move like the spear at the time. Yeah, and the other th- big impact move here in this, and a, a move of his I've always dearly uh, loved. Although, like, kind of older Bill Goldberg doesn't do it as much. His gorilla press slam into, into yeah into the power slam. Yeah, it, oh, awesome. Oh. Tasty. like it just it just has that snap to it that all his stuff had where it's just like you could feel your back yeah. in pain I, I, I have to say like as soon as I seen him pick him up for the press slam I was like oh he's going to do the power slam I just and it was like that little kind of mark out moment I was like oh this is the properly old Goldberg you know yeah I, I very much enjoyed it uh, <laughs> the one thing I will say about this we were talking about the spear I, I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a running tally of my top and bottom five spear bumps, and I think this is right in my bottom five because <laughs> with Mongo, Mongo, <laughs> Mongo took this like a lonely tree falling in the woods. <laughs> like if you watch his feet, so a lot of guys will kind of jump up in the air mm-hmm. and let kind of Goldberg spear them to the ground, or, or you know do something crazy like the Rock and try and backflip when they're being speared. Um. But Mongo kind of just like rolls back onto his heels and teeters over <laughs> with this kind of like you're just missing someone going Timber <laughs> as he's falling. <laughs> just a man clearly very uncomfortable with a with just something like a flat back bump. Yeah, I mean, how, how long was this into Mongo's career? What he started in 
96, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a couple of years in at this point, like, and still, like, just something is in. Like, I imagine no one wants to take a, f- like, Goldberg running at full pace into your midsection, but, like, especially, I imagine it only behooves you to take the bump properly. Yeah, I'd imagine it'd be a lot easier to take the bump properly than to, like, have, like you say, Goldberg running at your full pelt and kind of just falling over. I imagine, yeah, yeah. I imagine that just, worked a bit more than actually jumping into it, you know? Yeah, it was less of a bump and more of a wilt, I think. <laughs> Um, and one thing I loved about this as well is this match was so short that the action replay of the highlight of the match included Bill Goldberg's entrance. I think that was a WCW staple, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it just shows a couple, a couple of the moves, and then just him entering. Not even like a cool part of his entrance, just like him walking out and smiling. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was our our first Bill Goldberg match of the show. Um, the next match was something yeah uh, as the team uh, the, 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 the match made in heaven the team of Conan and Buff Bagwell with Vincent uh, took on the Steiners with Ted DiBiase um, and this was kind of the commentators were putting over huge about how kind of DiBiase <coughs> uh, taking over the management of the Steiners has really refocused the Steiners uh, as tag champs and uh, one thing I will note as well is that the aforementioned divorced da from earlier on fucking loved the Steiners during their entrance here. <laughs> him, him and his two girlfriends going absolutely crazy for him. Um, <laughs> a couple of minutes into this match, again, another match that didn't last very long. My, my other highlights are Conan killed to death by a running reverse power slam into the corner I thought he had died I shrieked because like and maybe that's looking back with 2019 eyes and think like thinking like how broken that man's body is now yeah I mean when you see him walking around out yeah I'd imagine that did not feel good no no I can't imagine it did and then as well in this match we had uh, Buff and Rick clearly on different pages of different books as uh, there was a hideous neckbreaker. Yeah, oh god it was so it, bad it was the classic someone was a full second off in their timing and it was it was fucking the crowd didn't even react no it was like Rick went down and then Buff went oh shit yeah I'm supposed to fall here I'm <laughs> it's a bump <laughs> Um. I should add that Buff Bagwell was wearing an NWO choker around his neck. Yeah, the, always the height of style. I mean, uh, was young Marcus Bagwell. <laughs> this guy was considered cool at one point. Well, he was the stuff lead, and I don't think you're taking that into account because they couldn't get enough. That's that's the thing. Um, this was also a WCW tag title match. What? Yeah, we had a, we had three title matches on this show. Why? Did Conan and Bagwell ever win a tag team match? Just the, just the incredulous why. They're not even a real tag team. Bagwell and Norton maybe. were the tag team. In the Thunder Cannon, maybe they are. But I mean, maybe. if they came out maybe with Vincent to face it. anyone else, I would not have bought them winning. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe maybe now that you're starting to watch Thunder, you'll, you'll find a hitherto unknown great run for Conan and Bagwell. I don't think I will. <laughs> Regardless, anyway, they didn't win this tag match either. Uh, Thank God. Uh, Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott gets the pin. 
uh, even though Rick was lying in wait uh, up on t- up on the top rope, so teasing a little. Uh, bit I was so here. pissed we didn't get the bulldog. Yeah, like that was they were saying he's waiting up there for the bulldog, and Scott knows that like he was. Uh, and he just he brought, he brought him to the him. other corner and just did the Frankensteiner. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. That that was that anyway. The your your favorite team in the world didn't pick up the win here. Like I just don't know why it was happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't understand either. Uh, we're back to recaps because we had too much wrestling uh, on Thunder at this point, so we needed some. We needed something else. We went back to Starcade, and the the epic. You know, you'll always remember you were when this match where you were when this match took place and that was Eric Bischoff versus Larry Zabisco with Brett in full don't give a fuck mode <laughs> as special guest referee I say this because you would think special guest referee okay one of the favourite tropes that a lot of people have about special guest referee is watching like a wrestler wearing referee gear trying to look nondescript mm-hmm. Brett went a different way on that and pretty much just wore the clothes he wore out to lunch earlier that day <laughs> Just in his jeans. And a black t-shirt, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just didn't give a shit. <laughs> this man already was just cashing a check. <laughs> um, I will say, I walked out of the room when this recap came on and did not come back in until literally the next segment was starting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, won't, I, I will not take too long on this, uh, unlike the match, which did take too long. It was the longest uh, match on the show. The recap was the longest match on the show. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and the the one thing I, w- I will say as well about this match, and I remembered this about Starcade 97, is that it had Dusty Rhodes on commentary, and God bless Dusty, legend of the business. Uh, always enjoy when people did impressions of him as well, telling stories about the man. Uh, but by God, was he horrific on commentary on this pay-per-view, and this match was no exception. Um, I remember, I, I watched this pay-per-view not, a couple of years ago because the another podcast shout him out the, the Attitude Era podcast did a did a Starcade ninety seven recap. Um and the whole night I remember Dusty Rhodes calling because it was Night of Destiny and he Night of Destiny baby <laughs> uh was was the, him shouting over the other commentators all night. Um so yeah, God bless us he was dreadful on commentary in this and yeah, this match went on longer than ac- any actual live wrestling that took place on Thunder. I wonder for the live crowd, what did they do? Because I know notoriously WCW did not have screens. Say that again. Sir. I know, not like notoriously WCW did not have like you know like WWF had the, the Titantron. Yeah. WCW did not have a live screen for showing promos or stuff like that from the back. Yeah. So for like this twelve minutes, what were the live crowd doing? Probably just sitting there. <laughs> Maybe they had Lex come out again, start screaming. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I, I I was thinking about this. This poor live crowd are here. Like we're here for the like the first broadcast of this show. It feels like the people who were in the Manhattan Center for that oh, Raw God. last year, <laughs> where it was just like that. The show kicks off. Here's the pyro and ballyhoo, and then fucking eight minutes of silence while we go through some video packages that they can't even see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, poor them. But uh, this match goes on in, in entirely too long. And then afterwards, I will say, they they show Larry Zabisco cutting a fucking fabulous promo yes. <laughs> on Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. I I struggled. 
to write down all the great line in this, all the great lines in this. But he was talking about how he kind of encountered Scott Hall earlier in his career, and he's got a first class seat on the ship of fools. And he was wonder remind Scott that like you know when he was a young man he he met up with him he was a guy who was being handed title shot after title shot and he humiliated him in front of the whole world. And he wanted to remind Scott that he could wake up, bench 405 pounds, go to the golf course, shoot a 73, and still beat him pillar to post that evening. Yeah, Larry was amazing in this. I mean, I, I want, like, put the belt on him <laughs> at this point. <laughs> put, all the, put all the belts on Zabisco. Like, Zabisco should have taken down the NWO on his own at this point. Yeah, like, this was during the Larry versus the NWO feud. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Like as as much as I know, in hindsight, people bemoan and and a lot of the stuff I read in this time bemoan the fact that there should have been some young up and comer in this position to get the rub of like being the one that valiantly fights off the NWO. But Jesus, in this moment, I I was so glad it was Larry Zbysko because God, this was genuinely worth trudging through some of this other stuff for this yeah. promo. Like another line he had about how he. I wrestled in front of royalty and he lists out, you know, like, uh, kings of Samoa, the emperor of Japan, while Scott was sitting in grade school picking his nose. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he was. He was just awesome on this one. Ah, just, yeah, just love Larry. What a, like, threatening to take him to Larry land. Fantastic. (laughs) And after this promo, out comes Scott Hall to wrestle Ray Trailer. Um, I will say... I have a I've always had a soft spot for Ray Trailer. I think as far as like big man wrestlers go, he he was fantastic mm-hmm. for his time. Um leather pants and a wife beater, not the greatest look he ever had in his career. I have the exact same written down. <laughs> I love the big boss man. I he's one of my favourites from when I was a kid. I loved his return in the attitude era. Ray Trailer. Where his yeah. where his where his, his character was just a wanker. Yeah. <laughs> Dare to spoil all the fun. But Ray, uh, yeah, yeah. Ray Trailer just freshly kicked out of the NWO wearing leather pants. Uh, not so much. No, it's, it's, it's not really that strong. This is like he would have gone and hung out with that divorced man <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and took his pick of the two girlfriends, which one he was going to date for the evening. I thought that was Brett's um, job, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, shenanigans abound in this match so at first there's a hall belt shot that doesn't actually lead to the finish and then there's another bit of shenanigans as there's a run in from Larry at the end of this so two run two kind of bits of shenanigans mm-hmm. in this match good stuff um, then we have a cruiserweight title match uh, Juventud Guerrera versus Ultimo Dragon and this was another point at which I kind of rubbed the lap I was like right this is it now we're talking wrestling Um. And unfortunately, this was another short match, but I had a lot of fun watching this. Yeah, this was good. I mean, it was four minutes, but it was good, kind of non-stop cruiserweight action. This is what you'd expect from WCW. Yeah, now we nearly had our first fatality of the night, <laughs> as uh, Ultimo Dragon attempts an assay moonsault to the outside oh God, yeah. and nearly fucking kills himself mm-hmm. because he kind of went down about a foot short of where Hoovy was expecting him to be. But thankfully, he kind of like caught himself a little bit on Hoovy's leg and didn't land on the top of his head. So, bitter relief there. Uh, and we had a title change. Yeah, I mean, Shivani pushed on the commentary. I know it was only four minutes, but you constantly say, like, you know, on any given night, any of the cruiserweights can become champion. Yeah, I did that really kind of. That's so down to me as soon as. Yeah, little Tony. Um, I, I, I 
swear, like I, I do think he said it three times in four minutes. Yeah, no, I would believe that. That's that's definitely what it felt like. Um, it was if he was going, please do not change the channel. This man is about to win the title. <laughs> they did. I'd say they did. They did a little recap of who he become a number one contender on Nitro. Helpful. Uh, you know, this is another one of the, the helpful recaps. So, so I mean, at least this title match made sense, unlike Conan and fucking Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean yeah, exactly. they did get over that Hoovy has the 450 and won him the match and sure enough he hits the 450 here and wins so it all made sense shockingly yeah and Hoover 2 Guerrero is your new Cruiserweight Champion and I think one of the things that's going to keep us going throughout the run of Thunder is great matches involving Cruiserweight mm-hmm. and Hoovy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that might be later but- on yeah, because like right up towards the end, we have things like like later on in the program, we'll get to talk about like the Young Dragons mm-hmm. three count feud and things like that. So there'll always be kind of some good stuff on the undercard that'll keep us going here. I suspect. Um, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> next, we have a, a Brett in ring segment with Iron Mike Tanay, which I want to stop right there. I love Mike Tanay, the professor. One of those guys who. I would actually love to sit around and pick his brains about the business. Like, such a, a student yeah. of wrestling. Such a kind of well-studied guy. Like, whenever I hear Mike Knight, like, you know there's a guy who does a fucking shitload of research mm-hmm. for even if he's in the smallest part of a show. Uh, and I, I always appreciate that. But I will say, a, a, a nerdy, middle-aged man, and he's going in the 90s under the moniker of Iron Mike <laughs> now Lee there was another man who went by the moniker of Iron Mike around this time I think two, I think I might have heard of him yeah two slightly different human beings here so I think calling him Iron Mike might have been a bit of a fucking push <laughs> but I love the man so you know let's let's roll on with it uh, so he's interviewing Brett in the ring, and another point I'd like to make at this point is that Brett was wearing what I can only describe as an outrageous <laughs> pair of cowboy boots. I, ha- I actually have that outfit written down because it, it was amazing. Okay, run, run me down. What's the outfit? Because I, I could swear Brett he got dressed Brett, in the dark. Brett, <laughs> Brett Hart, for those of you who like are not completely familiar with him, is a very dry man. Like this is not uh, like a hip happening cat. He's not going to come out in like a multicolored turban like Kevin Nash or anything like this. Very straight laced, very serious, very Lance Storm esque. Takes the business man. very seriously. He thought he was the champion five times. Yeah. The only thing he takes more seriously than the business is himself. That, yeah. Uh, but now, describe what this human being was wearing. Okay. Okay. So you think like you know nineteen ninety seven Bret Hart. Like, you have the Hitman jacket, the jeans. He's a cool-looking guy, the shades, you know. But, yeah. sure enough, he comes out here. He has the Hitman jacket. Okay, we're after a good start. Yeah. He's got the blue jeans. Standard. We're doing well. Then he has a yeah. beige t-shirt. <laughs> Dodgy ground. <laughs> so, you know, we'll take off some marks with that. But then we get to the... Looking a, bit, the, the looking cow- a bit too casual. Yeah, we get to the, cow- the cowboy boots. My God, these cowboy boots... A pair of bright blue yeah. and yeah. white rhinestone encrusted, they look to be, cowboy boots. Took with jeans tucked into the boots. Like, if Kevin Nash came out in these, I would strongly suspect like Kevin Nash won them in a poker game earlier that day and then lost a bet that he had to wear them on TV. I will go with you one better. I think Dusty Rhodes looked at these cowboy boots and went, that's gone a bit fair, man. 
you know, like they're they were the champion, baby. They were outrageous. <laughs> they really were. They're like. I know it was the 1990s and it was the late 1990s and country music was big mm-hmm. but I also grew up in the 1990s and I remember what the style was like at the time to borrow a phrase from Grandpa Simpson <laughs> it's still outrageous <laughs> even in the context of 1997 it was fucking hysterical yeah I mean I saw, I just I cackled as soon as I saw them I yeah I, I like I normally so if I'm watching something kind of like whether it's a comedy program or like wrestling program I it, it takes something like extreme to make me say anything out loud if I'm watching a show on my own I kind of internalize my reactions especially as I'm writing mm. notes Brett comes out in these boots I immediately slammed the pause button and screamed whoa <laughs> And had to like rewind, and it was almost like I couldn't believe what I was definitely seeing. I yeah. I now hope oh. these become a recurring thing on this on Thunder. I want to see these boots again. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of it like we we need to institute because it is the late '90s, like some sort of fashion watch feature <laughs> in the program. It's like who are our big winners and losers there? I I don't, I don't know if if Brett won here or if he lost. I I don't even know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, like, I don't, genuinely, if I had not written down what goes on to happen in the segment, I would have forgotten because cowboy boots is the real takeaway from this. But we basically had. So, I don't know if you had the same sensation as me. So, I started writing down my screed about the cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. And I look up, and Rick is there. And they're talking. And I thought they had gone back to the replay from Starcade again. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the exact same fucking promo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except, like, if you pay very close attention, and I, 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 re- I rewound it so that I would, not just to look at the cowboy boots, but instead of in the Starcade replay, where Ric Flair is coming out and saying, there are people telling me that I need to stand here while you say your catchphrase at me, what he's saying this time, the very key difference in this segment, is that Ric Flair is saying people are telling me that I still need to hear it one more time. <laughs> that really was the only difference. It's like the fucking cantina band in Star Wars, man. They only know the one song. It's like, just come out and do the same fucking segment again. It, like, it went on a bit more, but, like, I genuinely thought they were doing the segment from Starcade again and kind of tuned out. I'm not entirely sure what the point of doing the same segment again was, especially when you just replayed it on the show mm. earlier. But did you notice that when Brett actually said the catchphrase, he got booed? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy they just paid. They're paying what over three million a year for to bring in as the the, the savior of WCW. And yeah, it's it, because two years ago they brought in dudes and by kind of referencing WWF without referencing it, they got over as cool. Whereas now everybody's into brand WCW. So the guy coming over and moaning about how he was a five-time World Wrestling Federation champion mm-hmm. is going to get booed. Yeah, it just makes no sense that they would book him like this at all. Uh, I did love Flair had a line saying he was wrestling Brody in Singapore. For an hour while the natives were getting restless. That sounded cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only line I took out. I was like, ah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, like even a rehash of a flair segment has still got flair in it, so you're going to find something mm-hmm. like a bit remotely entertaining in it. Uh, moving on from that, we have the, the incredibly muscly pairing of Scott Norton versus Lex Luger, our, our friend. Um, and I think, so I have a couple of highlights. Uh, Lex won with the torture rack, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, two highlights from this. Uh, so Buff Bagwell comes out uh, to do a run-in. And I love <laughs> that old staggerly on commentary... The most deadpan, kind of reminiscent of J.R. Samus, oh, son of a bitch, <laughs> call, just goes, like, so dry, just goes, there's Buff. <laughs> <laughs> Replay that segment. There's a guy who's just like, he's noticed how many run-ins there are of this show, and he's a little bit tetchy about it. <laughs> just, there's Buff. <laughs> I did not notice that, but I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's great. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. One of my undisputed highlights of the show. Um, I also enjoyed, so he won with tor- by the torture rack, mm-hmm. and it was Scott Norton, a unit, tough to get up for the torture rack. Mm-hmm. He got him, sort of, tapped him, dropped him, and then he picks up... <laughs> he picks up Buff and puts him in the torture rack, and as he has Buff in the torture rack, Savage gets into the ring... And when I say that Lex Luthor, or Lex Luger even, sorry, Lex Luger threw Buff Bagwell at Randy Savage's head. He threw him at Randy Savage's head. Like, his arse hit Randy Savage in the temple at about 20 miles an hour. Yeah, he definitely launched him. <laughs> yeah, and the two of them went fucking arse over tea kettle on top of one another. Like, that cannot have felt good. It, it would almost be like Lex didn't know his own strengths. I mean, <laughs> I, and I can't imagine why. <laughs> or didn't give a shit. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Although it seemed, it seemed a bit early for that in Lex's run for him not to care yet. Mm. Uh, I, I, yet. I will say we actually get Savage versus Luger confirmed for Soldo. Yeah, uh, sorry, use the full name there, Lee. Snickers Soldo. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Snickers WCW NWO Soldo. Yeah. This felt really like the you know like the common the, the current day WWE stuff where they're constantly going you know such and such brought to you by you know this is WrestleMania brought to you by M and M and shit like that like the fact that they were saying at the start of the show sold out sponsored by Snickers but by this point in the show they were just saying things like Snickers sold out and sold out Snickers <laughs> just getting all the words in just just in case yeah. okay <laughs> we get who the sponsor is. Um, so now we enter the portion of the program that I would call Replay a Palooza. Uh, we get the replay of Hogan versus Sting. Uh, this is the infamous fast count that wasn't a fast count that we talked about earlier in the show. Um, Nick Patrick, as I said, he was on uh, Penzer's podcast, which is like uh, Tales from Beside the Ring or something. Like, I don't know what the name of it is. My apologies to Dave Penzer. Um, but basically what Nick Patrick says, and this... I'm not saying that he's lying, but this does this does sound very much like WCW at the time, is that he was told contradictory things by Sting and Hogan earlier in the day. So Sting was saying, uh, I think it was, yeah, Sting was saying do the fast count, Hogan was saying don't do the fast count. Um, and he got confused, and he wanted clarification, and basically the two of them spent the evening hiding backstage and he couldn't find either of them so when it went to the ring he kind of he must have just like mentally flipped a coin 
and just went with whoever he was scared of most to <laughs> disobey in that moment and he didn't do the fast count um, so this was the first and not last occasion on this week that the fine like what should have been the most triumphant moment in like a year year and a half of building Sting coming to vanquish the NWO they just utterly fucked it at the 10 yard line yeah um, because it looks here, because it's a fast count that wasn't a fast count, and Brett comes in, restarts the match, and Sting wins, it looks like Hogan got screwed. Mm-hmm. And then they move from that replay to a replay of a rematch on Nitro. And can I just say, I th- this is so, it's they had the rematch, Nitro went off the air without a finish, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I wrote this, love, love, love the idea of WCW Nitro going off the air the moment the ref bump happens. <laughs> so the ref bump happens, and pretty much as the ref's body is hitting the floor, Tony Schiavone is like, we're out of time, we gotta go! Yeah, um, this, this whole thing annoys me so much. One thing I love about this is that I'm not sure when the commentary for the part that off the air was recorded happened but they are getting confused as to whether they should be acting like they're commentating on it on on thunder yeah. or on nitro because like this is what happened as it went off the air but then they go into commentating it like it's happening at that moment yeah and there's kind of like there's some tensing there's some like present and past tense confusion happening here um Nick Patrick runs back in. He returns, gets floored immediately. Um, I love as well, speaking of my uh, kind of spying on fans in the crowd, there's a guy directly in the center of the hard cam that I have called Stern Suit Man. (laughs) It's just a man in a full 90s business suit, but he has this luxurious long hair flowing free behind him. So he's ready to party. (laughs) Um, I hope it was a mullet. Uh, I, I, I couldn't confirm. Couldn't confirm. I really hope it was uh, a mullet. One can only hope. So there's a schmoz at the end here. Um, Sting, his his hand is raised again. Everybody comes out. There's a big fucking um, brawl between NWO and WCW. We get a brief sighting of future Thunder icon Stevie Ray <laughs> in this brawl who is, I will say, looking very dapper in a shirt and slacks. Uh, yeah, and I'm just, at this point, uh, thankfully this is the end of it, because I am I'm tired of replays on this program. D- Dave, you've just read all that out, and it all happened 22 years ago, or 21 years ago, and I'm sitting here rubbing my temples going, why is this going on? Why? Mm-hmm. How? How did they I... fuck this up? How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched most of it at the time, I have rewatched most of the the build. I've rewatched Starcade, as I said. I have read at least two books on the subject, and I still don't understand how they did this. I just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and it continues to get worse, Lee, because the next segment we're introduced to JJ Dillon, mm-hmm. who is a WCW authority figure, and they have been teasing, like I said, this action replay for the whole show. And one of the things I love about we're going to show you the footage from from Starcade is that it implies that WCW management are only watching the replay now as well. Nate, what is it? Two two and a half weeks after? Yeah, so they're, they they haven't come to a decision yet. 
ah look fuck we'll wait till thunder we'll watch it with the crowd <laughs> and then we'll just make a decision so they're they're teasing for the whole show we're going to show you the footage and then JJ's going to have a decision JJ comes out and he says our decision is that there is no decision and at this point Lee if I wasn't doing a podcast about it I would have turned off my TV and gone to bed <laughs> now I was watching it mid-afternoon so you can imagine how annoyed I was that I just wanted to go to bed <laughs> but after all this build he goes we don't fucking know uh, he called out Hogan, called out Sting, said we're stripping the title, holding it up, until we can figure this out. <laughs> so they basically went, we haven't made a decision, but we're going to strip you the title anyway, because we don't know. But sure, he wanted the guy all together in the ring, and just tell you that this way, for no yeah. fucking reason. Yeah, and in the middle of all this, uh, Tony is scrambling to try and explain what's happening, and gets cut off by an ad break mid-sentence. <laughs> I mean, it's just so fucking dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's that whole, that isn't, that, that's the end of that for the week, because now we have to go to the main event, DDP versus Nash for the US title. Uh, early on, one thing that I really enjoyed about this was that uh, Nash, who and he was accompanied by Hogan, so Nash and Hogan had been in the previous segment, mm-hmm. where Sting was stripped of the title. During the ad break, they basically Walked left back. so that they could get their entrance and come back. Yeah, I know, that, that was something, alright. I get a second pop. Uh, good stuff, lads, good stuff. I, I will say I did not concentrate on this match because I was still just, like, so annoyed, confused, upset by the whole title situation. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I have no notes on this match. I, I have very few. I did not even remember that this match was happening until the last segment ended. There was so much focus on the action replays that I assumed the, the show was going off the air. Yeah, I, I honestly was like, okay, well, that's the end of the show. And they're like, oh, coming up, US title match. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so DDP versus Nash. Uh, I think the highlight of this match for me was that there was a Kevin Nash country sign in the crowd that was done like the Donkey Kong country font. <laughs> Appreciated that. Thanks very much, lads. Uh, basically, it's a Kevin Nash match. It's a DDP match. It is heavily kind of uh, foolproofed to stop anyone from, I don't know, forgetting what happens next. So it's very simple. Uh, Even for a short match, it still felt drawn out. And in the main event of our first ever Thunder, DQ finish. (laughs) Because of course. Because of course. DDP retains the title on the DQ. The Giant arrives. And basically they keep teasing that the show is going to be cut off and then as soon as Tony stops saying the show could be cut off at any second the show gets cut off <laughs> yep that was it <laughs> and yeah that's your first episode of, of WCW Thunder I am bemused um, it's put it this way like we, we were awfully harsh on some of the things in this show but I also don't think it was as bad as I was expecting yeah, I, I'm really mixed on this because yeah. there wasn't as much junk as I thought there was going to be, but I yeah. was left so confused by a lot of it. Yeah, and if we were to pick um, a winner and a loser each for this show, who would you have? Uh, well, I mean, we're definitely the losers here. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, oh, the winners... Uh, 
I suppose Hoovy. Hoovy got built up to a, a big title win. Hmm. I mean, it was a one-show build, but, I mean, it was a build. Yeah. The loser... Uh, I don't know. Um, us for having to sit through Conan and Bagwell as a team. Uh, I I will say my my winner for the show is the giant. Oh yeah, of course. I think he got he got three prominent segments here on the show. If this was my first thunder, he looked like a killer because mm-hmm. uh, he had his squash match. He uh, decked Scott Hall in a replay, so even in the replays, he looked like a killer. And he basically comes out as the big scary baby face at the end of the show, right in the main event segment. Yeah, so, I, 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 think, I can't argue with that think he does very well and i think the the probably the biggest loser on the show is sting who spent 18 months crafting this kind of crow-esque character to come and be avenging an angel of wcw and in one week's worth of programming it was all completely undone yeah oh god i don't want to think about it yeah <laughs> um final thoughts Lee, before we wrap up it'll get better and then it won't. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, look, it wasn't anywhere near as bad. It wasn't boring either, but, I mean, for a three-hour show, yeah, I don't have too many complaints. It was just kind of dear. It wasn't, you know, the awesome kickoff you'd want for a show, a brand-new yeah. weekly television show. But, like you say, there, there was some pluses. The Giant comes out looking great. Hoovy, uh we get some good Scott Hall stuff. Eh, it, had, it had enough to keep me interested in the next next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think if um, if this was the first like if this was the first bit of WCW I'd ever seen, I think maybe there was just enough for me to keep coming back, or at least to give another episode a go. Um, I feel like the in some ways the action replays gave me too much context for some things mm-hmm. and not enough for others so I'm more than familiar with what was happening with the world title and more than familiar with what was happening with, with Brett and Ric Flair but as you say other things like I have no fucking idea what was going on with Conan and Bagwell are they a team <laughs> is that a thing uh, other things like that just are not made quite clear um, so yeah not not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I was kind of bracing for much worse. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, that's going to bring an end to the, the debut, this bumper debut episode, because it was a three-hour program uh, of Days of Thunder. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, we have an email address, and that's daysofthunderpod at gmail.com. You can either throw in some memories of the show we've just watched, some of the shows we're about to watch, if you're watching along with us, uh, anything, any sort of correspondence you want to have with us, tell us that you're a big fan of Conan and and Buff Bagwell as a team, please, I, there must be one person out there. <laughs> <laughs> Surely. Um, if, you, if, if, if you too have met the uh, serial killer in Oberhausen, that's a big Lex yeah. Luger fan, do let us know. If, if you are the serial killer in Oberhausen, please get in touch now that like there's a couple of countries in between us. We'd love to chat about your Lex Luger memories. Um, we're, if, if emails aren't your thing, we're also available on Twitter at WCWThunderPod, which I both can and can't believe wasn't already taken. Um, myself and Lee will be, will be checking that, uh, that, that 
both the, the email and the Twitter regularly. Mm-hmm. You can engage us on there, kind of thoughts, feelings, things like that uh, as we go on in this wacky world. Um, Tell us to stop because we will listen. <laughs> Sympathise with us. <laughs> you know, because we're doing this so either you don't have to or at least you can suffer with company as you try to get through it as well. Um, this has been episode one of the Days of Thunder podcast. I've been Dave Ryan. The man on the line has been Lee Malone. We shall see you in two weeks with episode two of WCW Thunder. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the sky.